The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. And this is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. Hello everyone, once again this is the History of the World podcast unscripted with me, Chris Hasler and this is a set of podcasts really just to fill the gap between Volume 3 and Volume 4 so we're not really doing anything proper at the moment we're just filling gaps and publishing something weekly where we're just sort of catching up and um, this week I thought I might cover... Um, and an area of the world and a culture which uh, we haven't written a proper episode for. And uh, I do believe that this culture and this area of the world probably should be spoken about more. And that's why I've picked it for this week's subject. And we're going to East Africa to a place very close to my heart, Ethiopia. And um, we're going to be talking about the ancient culture of the Aksumites, so the kingdom of Aksum and the Aksumite Empire, which uh, dominated East Africa for a number of centuries. And um, we often talk about Egypt and uh, the Nile and the Kushites, uh, but we don't often talk about the Aksumites. And of course, um, if if you visit the area now, you can see remnants of this ancient age with their Uh, with their own special obelisks as well. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the Aksumites and and talk about exactly who they are. And and they're unignorable, really, especially when we talk about um, seafarers uh, from this era. uh, They did control a very important waterway. So let's talk more about the Aksumites. Now, you can still see a city in northern Ethiopia called Aksum. And so that points us towards the general area where the Aksumites flourished. And this is the area of the Nile River that is very much upriver. So the Nile is is fed by uh, more than one source. And the source that comes from Ethiopian lands is known as the Blue Nile. Um, So this would have been uh, significant because we believe that it's possible that uh, maybe Kushites... Uh, migrations could have gone upriver and settled around the area of Axum, but then also we believe that Semitic speakers uh, would have migrated across from the Arabian Peninsula via the Bab el Mandeb Strait, which is the narrowest part of uh, the Red Sea link to the Arabian Sea via the Gulf of Aden. And um, this is um, a very significant part of uh, the world just because, really, if you were a sea merchant and you wanted to go from the Mediterranean uh, to uh, the lands of the east, such as the Indian subcontinent, um, then you would have had to have traversed this strait, the Babel Mandeb Strait, in order to make that journey. So if you'd have gone from the Mediterranean Sea, you you may have gone 
up the Nile initially and then um, taken advantage of the the earliest canals that linked the Nile to the Red Sea and then you would have had to have um, crossed through Bab el-Mandeb to make it to the Arabian Sea and uh, it may have been that Semitic speakers crossed this strait and uh, the Aksumites took advantage of this area, this, this strait and this narrow strait uh, in order to maybe control trade, because initially uh, the the strength of Axum would have been um, through trade, and we can see evidence of this. Um, there's certainly coinage that exists from the it goes back to around the second century CE, and um, there's a definite evidence of trade. We believe um, that this would have been a, a hotbed for trade, and we'd have seen. Obsidian, which we've mentioned before, is coming from these lands, um, and as well as ivory, uh, rhino horns, um, gold, emeralds, um, the, quite a number of things would have been um, would have been traded in this area of East Africa very early in the first millennium. Now, this would have been a, a time, uh, an important time for world trade, because this was. Uh, the the period of time for the Silk Roads and of course with the Romans looking to exploit other opportunities to trade with the lands of the East without having to deal with the Persians in the middle uh, they would have been looking at the uh, the routes via sea opportunities um, and um, one of them would have been um, the Red Sea route to uh, the Arabian Sea and uh, this would have been via um, the waterway that was guarded by the Aksumites. Now, it also appears as evident that the Aksumites would have had uh, great links to uh, the European societies, um, especially the Roman Empire. Um, and this would have been because the Romans were very much the, the wealthiest um, nation in terms of their activity, their trading activity, and they would have been very, very keen um, to acquire the goods that the Aksumites may have been able to lay their hands on, especially um, the fact that the Aksumites were able to produce their own uh, agricultural yields, and uh, also they would have been able to acquire um, uh, like stuff from inland Africa such as the, the ivory and the gold that we've already mentioned and they, this would have been very attractive to the Romans and we see the coinage really does give a nod to the Roman Empire with its Greek inscription so there would have been a desire for the Aksumites to um, to endear themselves to the Romans and, and, and make themselves available for trade opportunities so uh, there would have been somewhat of a closeness and we, and we can see this closeness develop a little bit as well. Entering into the 4th century, uh, we can see uh, that the Ethiopian um, or the Aksumite um, religion, uh, which we believe originally resembled much more of an Arabian polytheistic religion initially, um, was converted and it was converted to Christianity which at the time 
was starting to become a very significant religion of the Roman Empire. It hadn't necessarily been made the official state religion, but just to give you a, a bit of an indication, this was sort of the time of the lifetime of Constantine the Great, who um, was a, a great advocate of Christianity, or certainly um, a great advocate of the expulsion of of persecution of Christians within the Roman Empire. So it may have been um, that the uh, that the king Ezana uh, at the time, the Aksumite king Ezana, uh, made the decision to convert to Christianity. And um, what this would have been based on, this decision, it, whether it would have been based on maintaining a close relationship with the Romans or whether this would have been a general um conversion that was sort of really the trend of the time of the fourth century this trend of converting to christianity uh, whether that um appealed to the axumites generally um it certainly did appeal to uh, Ezana as he um as he definitely um converting this would have, this would have been around 325 the the year 325 and Ezana would have been maybe uh, well supported um if not already quite powerful as he was able to um tr- he was able to uh, travel down the Nile River towards um the Kushite kingdoms especially the one based at Meroe and um and he would um expand the Aksumite kingdom and and create an imperial entity of the Aksumites. Uh, so we really see that the Aksumites were becoming very powerful, and certainly uh, East Africa had not seen anything like this before. Now we see, uh, I suppose, Christianity um, in in African nations. Um, mainly due to European uh, colonialism. Uh, but in e- in Ethiopia's case, um, Christianity uh, was uh, very much an ancient religion there and, and it, uh, it, it was the expansion of Coptic Christianity which was very much the religion uh, or very much a, an important religion, I should say, of Egypt at this time and uh, this it migrated upwards um, from uh, Egypt up the Nile from Egypt and, and this is where we see the roots of the uh, Ethiopian Orthodox Christian Church that uh, is a very relevant part of Ethiopian religion today. Now if we move forward into the 6th century then we we recognise that there was a, a Himyarite uh, kingdom in uh, in southern Arabia and uh, they would have also uh, benefited from trade opportunities of the waterways uh, between uh, the lands of Europe and the the lands of the east such as India and, and Indochina. And... Um, by this time, uh, we can see that certainly the Roman Empire had fallen, the Western Roman Empire, we should say, and um, this almost created a, a splintering of, of the Christian church. So the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, um, as it came to be known, the Coptic Church of, of, of Axum, 
would have been uh, distanced from the European Christian Church. And um, nonetheless, uh, we still saw that the Aksumites maintained a level of power, and certainly under King Caleb, um, they had straddled Bab el-Mandeb into the Arabian Peninsula, uh, where the Himyarites had uh, very much embraced Judaism. Uh, so that when the Christianized Aksumites came across, they were seen as not only uh, foreign invaders, but also as ideologistically different. It would actually come down to the Sasanian Persians to drive the Aksumites out of Arabia and back over to Africa. So uh, we really see that the Aksumites uh, during the 6th century were probably at their peak of expansion and then uh, just as the 6th century turned to the 7th century the Sasanians then uh, were able to outpower the Aksumites and push them back into the Horn of Africa. Of course, after this, and not long after this, we would have seen the, the rise of the uh, the Islamic Arabians and uh, the uh, subsequently the end of the Sasanian Empire came very quickly after this after this period and uh, where we see uh, the Rashidun Caliphates, the first Islamic or the first major Islamic Caliphates of Arabia, um, take over the, the lands of Arabia. Uh, Aksumite was then pretty much pushed into economic isolation at this point. So uh, really the glory years of Aksum were now over. It's at this point we see the, the uh, no more production of coins. We believe that Aksum was uh, abandoned um, as a city at this time. Uh, with uh, the peoples, the population heading into the highlands and really Axum declined from here. So from going from being um, the the first real dominant and powerful state of East Africa um, to a very trusted and reliable trading partner for both um, cultures going from west to east and uh, taking the sea route as opposed to the land route, um, and um, from dominating the Strait of Bab el-Mandev, from having complete control over it, um, it very, very quickly lost all its power and went into a steep decline following the rise of the Islamic Arabic Caliphates. However, the one thing that did happen is that Christianity very much survived um, in Ethiopian lands at this point and um, right up until the modern day we see the Christian church in Ethiopia as we've already mentioned and um, we uh, we do know that the, the culture survived and um, it was still recognised by uh, other cultures if, uh, if it wasn't um, the most dominant culture or, or anywhere near as powerful as it once was. And uh, the culture wasn't really uh, referred to as an Aksumite culture. We, it much more resembled the the uh, the origins of the modern Ethiopian culture that we know today. So this takes us back to these uh, obelisks of uh, of uh, of Aksum, uh, 
Um, they're not really obelisks. Uh, they're they're more like steely, um, and um, they're they're erected. They're very tall and and probably uh, among the tallest in the world. Um, and uh, you can still see them to this day. These in, incredible steely that that reach many many dozens of feet into the air. And um, that's probably the the biggest uh, sort of. Uh, visible legacy of the Aksumites that exist to this day. So there you go, a little brief um, introduction to the Aksumites, only a real sort of brief mention of them, just to, to give them a, a respectful nod because we mentioned them during Volume 3 and they did play a very important part um, in African history and in a world trade history. So... I think it's only right that we should talk more about them. But there they are, the Aksumites, the uh, the dominators of the lands of the modern countries of uh, Ethiopia and um, Eritrea. Now, if you enjoy the History of the World podcast in general and you'd like to support uh, the History of the World podcast, you can. You can make financial contributions through the Patreon website. In order to find our page, you go to the History of the World podcast.com website and you click on the Patreon link. It will take you through to the Patreon page where you can sign up and make a monthly donation to the podcast in order to keep it going. And uh, when you do sign up and make any kind of financial contribution, you are automatically invited to be a member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati, a special club for all of those people who have invested uh, themselves into the future of the project. And uh, it's my pleasure this week to introduce some new members into the Illuminati. We've got Roseanne Taylor, Brian Court, Kevin Brown, Ian Van Alphen, and Daniel R. Beckner. Thank you very much to each of you and welcome into our exclusive little club where you can qualify for rewards. I send you gifts in the post and I'll give you opportunities to become involved in the podcast and, uh, and become very much a part of its legacy by suggesting questions and, and episode subjects. Um, so please do consider becoming a part of that legacy. Uh, we received some messages from some uh, new listeners to the podcast this week and uh, first one um, is going to be from Paul O'Keefe who's put, uh, just want to thank you and congratulate you Chris. I've just discovered this gem, absolutely wonderful, informative yet humble as history should be communicated. Paul Melbourne, Australia. Thank you very much for your kind message, Paul. Kevin Tolbert has written in as well, has put thank you so much for a great podcast. I found your podcast after having recently read an article about Pavla Petri and thus wanting to reinvest myself into history. We, we haven't mentioned Pavla Petri, funnily enough. It's, a, it's an underwater Greek city that they believe may date all the way back uh, to before Mycenaean times. So it's uh, quite considerable. We've not mentioned it, but uh, certainly 
fascinating. I'll continue with the message though. Um, he's uh, he's written, though I was looking to start in the ancient times, I could not help but start at the beginning of your cast. Two weeks in, I have binge listened to volume one all the way up to volume three, episode 25. You, you can't have had any sleep. Um, it's been a great listen while working on the turf farm. Can't wait to get into the heart of your Roman coverage. Your speed, diction and style are something above many other podcasts. Your presentation of history, as it is suggested, is a welcome sight to the presentation of history. Thanks again for a wonderful show. Looking forward to what is still to come. Uh, and uh, Kevin's very kindly sent me a couple of images there, as, and one one of the farm in which he works from, and another one from his visit to uh, Alhambra. So thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, finally, um, we've got hi Chris. After listening to your podcast for months now, I finally took the time and effort to send you a message, even though the Netherlands were never challenged to do so like the Australians and Canadians way back. Oh, that's when I was picking on countries, wasn't it? I remember now. Um, I just wanted to congratulate you uh, with your very interesting podcast and excellent research. Uh, your tone of voice, the speed uh, and coherent way of explaining the history as it unfolded is soothing. I especially like it when you make referrals to other places and times, which helps connecting the dots. Never th- uh, things never happen in an isolated place and everything affects everything I hope you will find the energy and motivation to keep this massive project going as long as possible um, I wanted to tell you that I was intrigued by your uh, tree panning podcast that was the, when we discussed uh, people uh, the, or the ancient um, the ancient act of boring holes in people's skulls, um, probably for for medical reasons. Um, I always found this an interesting procedure. I also read that people had stones removed from their head in that manner. Um, this was a very uh, this was a way for quacks to make money. I've not, I've not come across that. It's very interesting. Uh, they would make a head incision or even tree pan the head and move a rock, uh, remove a rock from the head. Which they were he- which uh, they were hiding up their sleeves or something <laughs> like a bit, bit of a, a magician's trick. Uh, so <laughs> I've not heard of that before. Wonderful. Um, I even read that some people knew it was a trick and still felt the need to undergo the procedure. Um, please keep those medicine and, if possible, uh, veterinary medicine parts coming. I love them. I don't know too much about it, but um, but I must admit I did, I did feel compelled in volume two to to cover medicine as it as it was a very fascinating uh, subject. I'm really curious about the up uh, about the coming chapters and centuries. I wonder how you will weave the role of my country in the good and the ugly. Also, some very tricky and complicated subjects in the future, like the troubles in the Middle East, Israel, Palestine, colonialism, and so on. Finally, I would like to point out uh, point to a very nice book I came across years ago. It's a bit of a read, but ha- perhaps you will like it. The book is called Ideas by Peter Watson and he's about the history of all the major ideas that shaped the world. Sorry about the long message, I couldn't resist. Keep it up, you're doing great. Happy to contribute financially, that's what I like to hear. 
Um, and that's from Ian. Um, but I don't have anything else other than Ian, and and I and I have to assume that you're from the Netherlands by the content of your message, Ian. But uh, thank you for an interesting and uh, and uh, well written message. Thank you very much. Uh, a couple of reviews um, from Australia. We've got Donda Bird uh, has written a great detail well researched chris does a great job organizing his material i discovered stuff about topics i thought i knew about well researched and delivered in a way that keeps you interesting thanks chris your podcast was just what i was looking for it's in the pantheon along with podcasts like the history of rome and infinite monkey cage for listenability education and entertainment and uh, I think my favourite review of this week is from John Thomas M.A. Uh, from the USA, who's put John Thomas M.A. Uh, he's rated five stars and his review reads John Thomas M.A. So he's obviously a man who enjoys saying his own name. But uh, thank you for that five star review nonetheless. Uh, anyway, that's that's all for this week. Uh, next week, it will be more unscripted stuff uh, during this uh, this interregnum. We could call it between uh, volume three and volume four. So thanks for listening. And as ever, uh, make sure that in the coming week uh, that you uh, are always uh, endeavouring to be good. Come to the History of the World podcast.com and join all the other hot welders on our wide range of social media. Why not support the podcast by clicking the Patreon link or buying me a book and becoming a lifelong member of the History of the World podcast, Illuminati. Drop me a line at historyoftheworldpodcast.mail.com and let me know what you thought of this week's episode. See you next time.